You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Pew Scorter, Pew Suter. Lafferty, left wing, shoots, stopped by Skinner, rebound, Hoplander scores! Skinner! Need a goddamn occasional save. You are not my son. I'll tell you, Denver's like a smelling salt. Like, we woke up. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. Greg, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of this program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. The Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650 650 is popping right now. 601 on a Tuesday. All of you should be asleep, but you can't sleep. Because you're too excited about your Vancouver Canucks. That's going to be the focus for all of our guests on the show today. Just a series of Canucks-related questions. Maybe not even questions. Just Mm -hmm. talk about how good the Canucks are. That begins at 6.30 with Greg Wyshynski. Now, there's an interesting wrinkle here. Because over at ESPN, they're already doing their NHL awards watch. Right. First one of the year. won them all? Every award. Yeah. Every award. It was amazing. They just gave all the team awards to the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. And some other guys. We'll talk to Greg about that at 6.30. 7.30, Axel Schuster. I'm going to try and shoehorn in as many Vancouver Canucks questions as I can with Axel. <laughs> I understand. Who is your favorite Vancouver Canucks? I understand he is the Whitecaps sporting director. I understand that the Whitecaps were eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. but I actually do want to ask him some questions about where MLS is trending and is it starting to become a league of haves and haves not. Have do you nots? see any similarities between Vanny Sartini and Jay Woodcroft? Okay. All right. You're going to keep it up with that. Eight o'clock, Brendan Bachelor. We're not going to ask him any Canucks questions. <laughs> Mostly white caps questions. White caps yeah. stuff. <laughs> All my Axel questions are going to go towards Batch. Batch was on the call last night. Canucks six, Oilers two. In case you missed it, we got a lot to get into on that front. Uh, speaking of the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, you can start getting your what we learns in now to win tickets to see WWE SmackDown on what is it Friday, January fifth of twenty twenty four at Rogers Arena. So we'll make it real simple today. Hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Just a ticket emoji today. No flex. Someone sent a clown one. I think that was more a personal attack. Just put a ticket <laughs> into the emoji, into your text, and you'll be entered into the, the contest to win tickets to see SmackDown on January 5th. So working in reverse, Batch is going to join us at 8, Axel Schuster at 7.30, Greg Wyshynski at 6.30. Uh, that's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. In a game which really embodied everything that's gone on this season for both teams, not just one team, both teams. The Vancouver Canucks defeated the Edmonton Oilers 6-2 on Monday night at Rogers Arena. It is the third time that Vancouver has beaten Edmonton this season. If you look at the standings this morning, November 7th, 2023, the Canucks are 14 points up on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> that is insane. 14 points. Do you know the combined score at Rogers Arena between the Canucks and the Oilers this season in two games, just two games, 14 to 3. This is maybe the most, un- of all the unpredictable stuff that's happened with the Vancouver Canucks. Ever in life. Ever. Period. End of sentence. Not just to get off to this great hashtag, the start, but to also bury a team with legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations by November 7th. <laughs> I mean, they, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but they need, the Edmonton Oilers need to make up 14 points on the best team in their division right All now. All right, let's go over what happened last night. The Oilers did come out strong as expected. Uh, badly out shooting the Canucks and getting some prime scoring chances. But there's something the Canucks have that the Oilers definitely do not, and that is a world-class goalie. Thatcher Demko kept the Canucks in it with save after save until Dakota Joshua took a penalty and even the Oilers were able to beat Thatcher Demko. Uh, Matthias Ekholm blasted one home late in the power play and frankly it did not look good early for the home team. But just like they've done for most of the season, the Canucks had a response and it was a good response as opposed to some of the responses we've seen in the last two years and They weren't very good responses. Uh, Quinn Hughes scored a lucky one. They've also had a few bounces go their way. Let's all admit that, uh, which bounced off. I think it was uh, DeHarnay's stick. David DeHarnay. And uh, then came two more quick goals, first by Puce Suter, who the Oilers decided, who the Oilers decided, and and this is a theme with the Oilers, decided to leave all alone in the slot. Then Brock Besser scored his ninth of the season on the power play suddenly and quite unexpectedly given the start and the shot clock. It was 3-1 for the Canucks. And I think at that point, the Canucks were getting outshot 19-7. So 19 shots for the Oilers, Mm -hmm. one goal, seven shots for the Canucks, Three goals. Now, the Oilers did make it 3-2 in the second period after Thatcher Demko got dumped behind the net and Dreisaitl found himself with an open net. I thought, personally, not just a homer, I thought it was a pretty obvious penalty, but the Canucks didn't challenge and decided to answer with another goal. Instead of challenging and making a big deal and, you know, losing their composure Mm -hmm. like certain teams did last night, they were just like, okay, that happened. Nils Hoaglander was like, you know what? I'm just going to score a goal, score again. Uh, once again, left alone in the slot to bang home a Sam Lafferty rebound. And credit to both those guys, Lafferty and Hoaglander, for pressuring the Oilers off a lost faceoff in the Canucks zone to create that scoring rush. On to the third period. It's 4-2 Canucks. No shortage of drama, drama in the third either. Uh, the Oilers had a goal disallowed. 
And the Canucks had a goal that wasn't initially called on the ice. They had to look at it, and then the horn sounds, and everyone went, yay, the horn sounded, so the Canucks scored. Except for JT Miller. He barely responded. Yeah, he was like, good, good. (laughs) Uh, But I guess the big story in the third period, as much as we want to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, was the Edmonton Oilers, the most frustrated team in the world. Connor McDavid... Uh, who's probably glad he doesn't have to see the Canucks or JT Miller until April. Uh, Dreisaitl, uh, pretty pissy, a little bit pissy for Dreisaitl. Uh, The refs gave him a 10-minute misconduct. Uh, Then Jay Woodcroft, the head coach, for how long? I don't know, but still the head coach, said something to the refs. We can talk about this later. And he got tossed. Why are you so pissy? He got tossed. He was out of the game. Uh, and then just for good measure, Darnell Nurse took a penalty and Brock Besser scored again to make it 6-2, the final score. It was uh, eventful, um, crazy, unlikely 6-2 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks are riding high. The Oilers have serious issues. And I was joking on Twitter Imagine if they go down to San Jose on Thursday. That's their next game, mm-hmm. and they lose to the Sharks. That matchup in San Jose is between the 31st and 32nd ranked teams in the <laughs> NHL, which is amazing. The whole thing is, I mean, let's focus on the Canucks here for a bit because we are going to have to dedicate not a considerable amount of time, but a good amount of time this morning to Edmonton because Edmonton is a huge part of the story. Look, Edmonton's a huge part of Vancouver's season. I mean, you're talking about three wins in pretty dramatic fashion, two of them, um, against a team that I don't think anyone had any aspirations of passing in the standings at the start of the year. No. Everyone had seeded that Pacific Division crown, top three spot at the very least, to Edmonton. And I, I don't even have the right words to explain how unlikely this is. I mean, I, to be honest, I kind of feel neglectful for not looking... Uh, prior to the season and realizing there was this huge whack of games against Edmonton and trying to figure out what that... I figured if you saw Edmonton off yeah. and are able to get a couple of points from them... You're okay. You're okay. And I mean, you I think you tweeted it out the other day or maybe you mentioned it live that you would have been happy with a 500 record in December. Through. NHL 500. That was the bar. Yeah. Because it was so just low last season. The, 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 the hope was like, just don't bury yourself. And, Ru- yeah, ruining the Oilers was not in the playbook. It was not in the script. But that's exactly what they've done now. And, you know, Keith the Grip texts in, uh, I love the reverse bruff jinx on yesterday's show. I saw what you done there. No, I said yesterday I thought the Oilers were going to win. And here's the thing. The Canucks have Demko. The Oilers don't. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of it was, we're going to play some Rick Talk at audio about, about Demko, but... The it's more than just a goaltending issue with the Edmonton Oilers um, because defensively they are a mess. I mentioned like Suter getting wide open in the slot, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a three on two for the Canucks. It was you know even numbers, and then Suter's just like pass it to me. I'm wide open here, mm-hmm. and then he you know and then obviously the Oilers don't get a save from Skinner who was in there yesterday. They kind of shot it through Skinner. Yeah, right. I mean, you'd like to get a save, but also wide open. And then on the Hoaglander goal, um, I can't remember. I think it was Lafferty who shot the puck. Mm-hmm. Huge rebound out into the slot. But I think it was Evan Bouchard is like skating next to Hoaglander. Yes. Well, and like, like g- grab a stick. 
grab a stick. Like he, there might be a rebound, and then and then he's just looking at him. And Hoglander's like, "Thank you for not checking me. I appreciate that." Most of the time, when I go into the slot, uh, a, a defenseman will try and make sure that my stick isn't available to whack in this enormous rebound, right? And that's where I I, I go to: Is Jay Woodcroft um, going to get fired? Because like those are terrible and it's a problem like you could re- you can hear from uh, the Edmonton media like constantly giving up opportunities in the slot yeah so let's start with the goaltending aspect of this because it's a problem in Edmonton and it certainly is not in Vancouver here's a great line from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett following a 6-2 victory over Edmonton last night in which Thatcher Demko made 40 plus saves you make a couple of mistakes and he's that back there to make you know I mean, they they, had that, they they came out to play. They had some great grade A chances, and he was there for us. Um, you know, who knows? You know, it could be three nothing for them right off the bat. So it just gives. It like I said, it's it was like a. I'll tell you, Demmer's like a smelling salt. Like he, we woke up after Demmer after he made about I don't know five, six, seven unreal saves, and then we started to kind of wake up a little. But and the, the, that's what I mean. The guys were actually really mad at themselves for not being ready. Um, and then obviously they found their legs, and then uh, you know I thought we really played well after that. So when I, Elliot, I hope they start smelling him before the game. That's your. He's here. so stinky. What he makes their eyes guys? water. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. just crowding around, guys. This is really uncomfortable. Please yeah, stop. It, it's just a, it's just a turn of phrase. Yeah, just, just um, we get a quick whiff. <laughs> so goalies <laughs> are stinky. But. Yeah. So that's a big a big part of the narrative last night. Although when you look at the game chronologically, you almost forget how good Demko was in the first period because so much stuff happened in the second and the third. But when Elliot Friedman anointed. The Vancouver Canucks is Canada's best hope. He made a point of saying all of their best players and all of their stars are playing at a super high level at the exact same time. Demko is one of those guys. Demko has been lights out, and I'm glad that Tockett had something unique to say about the stellar play of his goalie, aside from, wow, that's Demmer. He gives it to us every night. Got to be a better way to phrase that, but there isn't. Um, Moving along, next we go to Quinn Hughes, which we're running out of superlatives on this front as well. So another multi-point night for Quinn Hughes. If you go to the NHL scoring leaders on the NHL.com stats page right now. The leading scorer in the NHL with 21 points is Elias Pettersson. The third leading scorer in the NHL with 20 points is Quinn Hughes. <laughs> I don't know what and else to say. I think, I think Demko's how- got like the second highest save percentage. Uh, no, he's all the way down lowly fourth. Fourth? Yeah. Well, did you see? It the- would have been oh, second loser. if they challenged that goal, but yeah, they didn't. Did you see the Optostats? Thing I shared with you. That no, was going Andy, why don't you night? read it for the listening audience? The Canucks are the first NHL team to outscore their opponents by 30 plus goals over the first 12 games of a season since the 1984-85 Oilers did on their way to winning the Stanley Cup. Plus, right, it's plus 39. It's statistically, it's the best start in franchise history. Yeah. Okay, who's Gretzky? Who's Coffee? Who's who's Messier? We're not going to go who's there. Who's Yari Curry? You could probably make comparisons. We're not going to for... go there yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we still have a ways to go, but I'm getting closer and closer to starting to have that Are we conversation. Getting ahead of well, no, you're not getting ahead. I'm of just your... still afraid to get hurt. I'm so it, damaged. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. But here's the thing, and you've mentioned this a handful of times, and it bears repeating, is that there's the statistics that we're throwing out that seem quite gaudy and maybe unsustainable. But there's a sense of eye test and a sense of the way that this team is going about its business that makes you believe that it's going to be more sustainable, at least in terms wow. of... Now, hold on. Not not guys scoring... The eye test wasn't great for the first 10 minutes of the game last night. However, you can have bad stretches in games. Mm-hmm. If you have a star goalie to bail you out of this, if it was the 
Demko had to bail us out throughout the entire game and no one showed up. Yeah, like yeah. the Philly game, for example. Right. Demko was brilliant in that game and they still lost 2 nothing mm. because no one showed they up. They did respond. They did it was it wasn't like they were pinned in their own end the whole night, just most of the first. <laughs> yeah, and you and they scored three goals in the same period where they were pinned in, right? Do you, do you think the Oilers lost some belief though, like after the first period? Do you think they were just kind of like, what is going on? Well, here? yeah, they almost you, had triple the amount of shots and they were losing. I'm glad you brought <laughs> yeah. that up. Because when Elliot and us talk about the Canucks' best players being their best players and leading the charge, could you not say the opposite for Edmonton right now? I mean, you saw, and look, I understand frustration, and I understand blowing your top, but when McDavid and Dreisaitl lost it in the third period, Mm -hmm. they were still in that game. The Warren Fogle goal stands, and it's a 4-3 game, right? And they had the push to make it 4-3. They just became unglued at a time where that game was still with the offensive power that they have. That, te- yeah. that game is still up for grabs. But that's but that's that's how it's been going for the Oilers in their last few games. They yep. put themselves in positions where they're chasing games, and a lot of the times it comes down to two things: one, bad goaltending; two, bad defensive play. So they give up. So the. the, the they're getting their chances and maybe they're not going in. And exactly like last night, then they give up an odd man rush the other way or something goes wrong. They don't get a save. There's a bad defensive coverage. And then they're chasing the game. Yep. Right. Exactly. And it. then they're going to give up more odd man rushes because they're chasing the game. You know, we, we've seen what happens in Vancouver when you're chasing the game. Your structure does come apart because in some ways you have to push your structure and sometimes you have to take some chances. And that's what's happening to the Oilers right now. Um, I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna happen to them. I, I, I really don't. But like I if this was this was what, a week ago, I was like, Yeah, the Oilers are gonna be fine. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull it together. Now they've buried themselves and put themselves in such a deep hole that you wonder how they're gonna pull out of it, and especially with the goaltending that they're getting right now. Right. And everyone's going to look at first behind the bench because it's often the easiest solution. You just you're in a you're in a funk, you fire the head coach. And I would assume that it's going to be an even more microscopic view now of Jay Woodcroft because Woodcroft got tossed from yesterday's game. So Laddie pull up the audio here. Woodcroft was asked in the aftermath about what happened in his conversation with the referee that led to getting ejected. Now, Look, I understand what's going on here. I'm old enough to have seen a lot of interactions where the. And that's exactly what Jay Woodcroft did. But if you think for a nanosecond that this is an honest answer to the question, well, I don't know what to tell you. Here is Jay Woodcroft in his postgame media availability uh, talking about the ejection late in the third period. Um, I asked uh, about the play on Holloway um, and you know it, it wasn't uh, not profanity laced or anything like that it was a question uh, it wasn't well received when I asked the question and in the end I got to be better I can't take a penalty uh, to put our team down um, but it, I didn't think it crossed the line at all but it was sometimes the way you send a message or, or ask a question the way it's received might be um, not in the manner you intended to. And in the end, um, you know, I, the reason I asked that question, I thought it was similar to the penalty that McDavid um, took uh, to go down four on three. So I thought it was a fair question. He didn't. And um, in the end, I got to be better. Can't ask that question, apparently. 
So here's what's coming up next for the Canucks. It gets even more exciting. Mm. They're going to head back east on a trip through eastern Canada that starts Thursday in Ottawa against a Senators team that looked like they were going to get off to a good start to the season but has since fallen on hard times. Uh, DJ Smith there on the hot seat uh, in an organization that's going through a lot of change, ownership change. Saturday, they're in Toronto. And the Leafs played a real interesting game yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Samsonov there is an issue. And Laddie was right because Joe Wool is their best bet in yep. goal. Uh, they fell down 4-1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning and then fought back to win 6-5 in overtime. I'm they si- gave Samson off the hook. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, I know, I, I don't think Tampa's goaltending has been disastrous. But that was a game where they could have used Vasilevsky. Um, at any rate, the Leafs the Leafs got issues. Austin Matthews is scoring a ton of goals, but the Leafs are not looking terrific. And then we play a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. We see I'm so on the Canucks bandwagon right now. <laughs> We're going to win it. We're going to sweep this road trip. Uh, they play in Montreal on Sunday. And then they return home. To play the Islanders, Bo Horvat is there. And then after that, games against Calgary, Seattle, San Jose. So, like, all these games have a hook. Party right? time. It's either Canadian teams or, you know, in the case of the Islanders, Horvat's back uh, at Rogers Arena. Or, you know, you're playing the Seattle. They, they have a couple games uh, this month against the Seattle Kraken. Do you think they buried the the Edmonton Oilers? The Canucks can bury the Seattle Kraken, too. Well, this upcoming swing through Eastern Canada is going to be a real interesting if you're really into how the team is perceived and are the national audiences paying attention to your local hockey squadron, this is a three-game traveling road show through three of the biggest markets. Well, two anyway. And you're going to see a lot of, is Quinn Hughes the Norris favorite? Mm-hmm. Is Elias Patterson a Hart Trophy candidate? Is Thatcher Demko going to win the Vezna? Is Rick Tockett going to win the Jack Adams? So- because this is, this is a top five team in the NHL. God, top three in terms of points and standings. Well, the end of November, like their schedule, or their, because of the schedule, they could be looking pretty dominant even more so. So yeah. did you hear um, uh, Rick talking a few days ago say, how are we going to handle prosperity? I thought that was a really interesting question, and not a question that's been asked a lot in Vancouver in the last little while, but yeah. like, how are you going to handle people praising you mm-hmm. as opposed to going into these markets and being like, you know, like, what's wrong? You know, that sort of thing. Like, because, and he was like, you know, he said that kind of old school. Are you reading your press clippings? Like, this is where the Canucks, if it's going to happen, are going to get pumped up too much. So this is going to be on Rick Tockett, the leadership group, veterans like Ian Cole to say like, hey, guys, it's okay to feel good about yourself because you're playing really well and let's keep that going. Mm-hmm. But let's remember the things, the hard things, the uncomfortable things that we did to get here because we are not just going to skate into games now and just be unbelievable. Let's be honest about some of our performances. Let's be honest about Thatcher Demko basically saving our bacon against the Edmonton Oilers. Like Rick Tockett said, it could have been 3 nothing for the Oilers if not for Thatcher Demko early yeah. on. And let's remember, we're not perfect We've still got things to work on. Yeah. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. To the back door. 
and settles in front for Besser. He scores! Okay. Seven oh one on a Tuesday. Happy Ooh. Tuesday, everybody. Somebody stop me. You are listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. <laughs> Sorry, I choked a little bit there. This is what plays in the Cucks locker room after every win. Should. It does. At the end of every successful period. Yeah, they've hired a big man. It's just in there now. It's a speakeasy after the game. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Canucks locker room has cool jazz music and drinking at three in the morning? And we're a little bit old school here. The best Canucks locker room in town. We're all reading their press clippings. <laughs> Hour two of the Halford and Bruff show is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. You have a text that you would like to read from the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. Reminder, get yours in. We got an entire open segment here to talk nothing but Vancouver Canucks. What did the text say? It's an unsigned text, and it said, I know Pedersen, Hughes, and Tockett are getting a lot of love, but I think the real MVP of this year is JT Miller. He plays with energy and emotion. I feel like he is the heartbeat of this team. Uh, love the text. Um, Gary. I, I, it's from Gary, unsigned. Um, I loved that shift last night when McDavid – Went to the front of the net, and Miller just gave him a shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then McDavid was like, how dare you? And he kind of... Kind of cross-checked him kinda, in the head. Kind of cross-checked him in the head and kind of didn't get a penalty But for you know it. what? And then Miller just gave it right back to him. And, and then McDavid and, looked at the ref. Mm-hmm. And then Zach Hyman came in and tried to rescue McDavid, and Phil DiGiuseppe was like, should I hit McDavid? I'm, <laughs> I'm right here. I probably shouldn't, right? Like, I, <laughs> Am I even allowed to? <laughs> We've trained but, for this scenario, but I forget what to do. Yeah, But... You know, Miller versus McDavid last night, I'm sure on the uh, on the Corsi stat, like McDavid won that battle, but Miller, you know, he, oh, he Miller. won the war, right? Miller, like, I mean, Miller, yeah. Miller, Miller was all over McDavid, and, and, I, and I love that. I love that he's like, hey, listen, I don't care who you are. If you're coming to the front of the net, you're going to get hit. And if you want to act like a big baby about it and act like, well, I, well, I'm Connor McDavid, I don't get hit. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to hit you back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Miller has been, I think Miller has been brilliant this season. And yes, he got held accountable for four minutes by Rick Tockett when he was running a little hot. And you know what? That's fine. That happens. Ever since then, he's responded really well, and it wasn't like he wasn't playing brilliantly before then. If I were... Actually, let's have this debate right now. Sure. Who has been the Canucks MVP? Because even though I love how JT Miller is playing, um, I think it's Quinn Hughes. Okay. Do you want me just to jump in, or do you want to add on to why you think it's Quinn Hughes? You just think it's Hughes because he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now? Listen, my whole Canucks fandom, I've been waiting for a guy like Quinn Hughes, and I remember one of the one of the first articles we ever wrote 
for the actual newspaper, like not just a blog post for the curtain blog. The province you're talking about. The province newspaper, one of the first things, like, this is over a decade ago now, okay. easily, well, 15 years ago probably, was, you know, the Canucks have never had that guy on the back end. Sure. They've had some good players, don't get me wrong, but they've never had that guy. And one of the big spiels I would go through is they've been to the Stanley Cup at that time. They'd been to the Stanley Cup final twice, and they lost to Dennis Potvin, who was an unbelievable defenseman for the New York Islanders. Mm -hmm. They went in 94 to the Stanley Cup final, and they lost to uh, Brian Leach, who was incredible in that series. Now, eventually they went in 2011 and they lost to Zidane O'Chara, like first ballot Hall of Famers. Meanwhile, you look around at all the teams, you know, Calgary, I grew up with those guys having Al McInnes and and Suter. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Edmonton had all those great forwards, but they had Paul Coffey on the back end. Quinn Hughes is the first guy that they've actually had on this team that can control the game from the back end. Again, they've had some good defensemen. None of them that control the game like Quinn Hughes does. Okay. Uh, I I think Miller has been great this year. I think Hughes has been great this year, but I think it's an obvious answer to who the Canucks MVP is this season. Thatcher Demko. And I'll tell you why. He's a workhorse as well. It's past the point of saying that the sample size is too small to take anything from it. He's faced the second most shots in the NHL this season. There are only six goalies that have played over 500 minutes already. He is one of them. Of those six goalies, nobody's numbers are even remotely close to Demko's. He's got a 948. He's saving 95% of the shots he is facing. And he has the second most shots faced in the NHL. I mean, that to me makes it cut and dry. That part scares me. That means his workload is Shut incredibly. Up, I'm on a roll. I actually think <laughs> they should go. I actually, with, with that in mind, and I wonder if they will, they probably won't, but I would like to see them go DeSmith in Ottawa, Demko in Toronto, DeSmith in Montreal. Wow. I, fair. I get it's, it. It's a fair point. I get it. And thank you for sullying my goalie praise with the fact that they are going to burn them out because right now, I mean, look. I'm just worried. That's all. There, like I said, the reason I brought up the minutes played and the starts and games played is because there's only a handful of guys right now that are carrying the mail big time. And in certain places, for example, Johansson in uh, Tampa Bay, it's because they don't really have another option. Like he has to do. Look it, at right? Hellebuck in Winnipeg. He's played a lot and he's not playing all that well. He's got an 890. There's a reason that the guys ahead of Demko. There's only five guys ahead of Demko in terms of shots faced and minutes played, and they all don't have very good numbers. Mm-hmm. Cam Talbot has good numbers for the Kings. But outside of that, it's Demko. And he is playing out of his mind. And the only reason I'm giving him the MVP over the other guys is because of the workload. He's out there a lot. He's the reason they win that game yesterday against Edmonton. I know in a 6-2 game you're thinking, hey, the goalie's not making a difference. But they are not in that game in the first period if Demko isn't as good as Do you know guys. how awesome it is that we can have this debate and there can be literally like four guys and maybe five if you want to be like, I think the head coach is the MVP. Elias Pettersson... <laughs> Yeah, is leading the league in scoring. I don't even and we're count. all kind of like, I don't, count it. I don't know. Has he even been 100%? Would anyone take PD as the MVP so far? A-Dog? I feel like you'd be the PD guy. No. If, if anyone. no I mean, you were Hughes. My, yeah, my like immediate reaction without thinking about it was, yeah, it's Hughes. Mm. But honestly, I have time for Rick Tockett if we can go not players, like if we can go coaching staff. Right. Just be, based on how the team is bought into his system. 
he has far outperformed as a coach what I expected him to so far, just based on his resume. Not to say that he was a bad coach or anything, but it's just he hasn't had a, a huge winning team like this before. Um, putting up the numbers that they are, at least, and uh, yeah, I just I'm really impressed with what so, Talk has done with the squad. So I I will fully admit that, and listen, the Canucks still haven't proven anything yet. But one of the things that we debated a lot on this show was whether or not the Canucks core players could perform at the level of the best in the league. Right? We right. were like, we all like Quinn Hughes. But is he Kale McCarr? We all like Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. But are they at the level of Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid? Like, you know, we we liked them. We just didn't know if they were going to be, you know. We, elite. We, we, the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. And we looked back, as we always did, on the 2011 team. And we said, listen, the bar is to have multiple guys on the team that are up for major awards. You had the Sedins winning Art Rosses, Hart Trophies. You had Kessler winning Selkies. You had Luongo should have won Vesnas. You had a Coach of the Year and uh, candidate. I can't remember if he won it in AV. Like they, they all came together at the same time, and they were winning major awards. I didn't think this group could get to that level. And I'm fine. Listen, do, you don't know how many times I've said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm like when we were all, we were like, well, we weren't wrong. Like I'm, I am, I have been so far. I did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. I've been so wrong. Yeah. Right? Like so wrong. I still wonder how the JT Miller contract is going to age, but now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, wait a minute. I care. Well, no, well, I do care, but wait a, but now I'm like, well, maybe I totally miscalculated that this team could be a contender while he's still in his prime. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole point of the contract. Was, right. I mean, and there was a, so there was the two parts with the contract it was one, how bad it might age in the back half of it, but two in the front half, was it going to align with them being competitive through the, the, the hashtag, the start, it's been great. I think that's uh, an important facet of all of this, but getting back to what you were talking about with regards to being elite is going into this season. We had, and I think fairly and justifiably seeded certain things in the Pacific Division. Like, I thought that the top three spots were pretty much going to be Edmonton, L.A., and Vegas in whatever way, sure. shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said going into it that at the center position, the best center in the division is Connor McDavid, and the second one's probably Jack Eichel, and then the third one is probably some hybrid of Kopitar and Deneau and Dubois. Mm-hmm. So there's a pecking order. Defensively, I mean, there's a lot of talented D-men in that division, right? You've got Drew Doughty, a Norris winner in L.A. You've got a lot of guys in Vegas that could make the case for being a Norris contenders, including Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. But the the Canucks have kicked down the door and forced their way into those individual conversations in such a dramatic way. Because, again, go to the NHL statistic page right now. It is littered with Canucks. Elias Pettersson leads the entire NHL in scoring, and Quinn Hughes is third. Thatcher Demko has Vesna caliber numbers across the board. You know what's funny is, like, you go to the defenseman leading scorer, and, like, Philip Peronic's third. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not crazy. just that it's not, like, because that's why Free just pointing out quite astutely that all of their star players are playing great. Not just 
producing, but producing at a star level. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brock Besser's on pace for 60 goals, and that doesn't even get mentioned. And it's it, it's a, that is why, at times, I almost have to take a step back and, and not necessarily pinch myself, but say, okay, reality is some of this is unsustainable. Like, I don't yeah. think Besser's going to score are, 60. Are we time. all terrified of looking like complete idiots? Based on the way the Canucks have started, and we're talking about the awards watch, and like I'm saying, I was wrong about this. You know, uh, okay, and- yes, because it does seem totally unrealistic. Yeah, but at the same time, like it's the old Bill Parcells line: "You are what your record says you are, and you are what the statistics say you are." Pedersen is the NHL's leading scorer, mm-hmm. and it's not after two games. You know, we're we're at a point where there have been enough games played. That the Canucks can open up a 14-point gap on the Edmonton Oilers. Like, you need to play a certain amount of games just to be able to open up that gap. And they have. So, at a certain point, I hate saying it is what it is, but this is what it is. They are all over the map, and I cannot believe the amount of positivity oozing from our pores here. Mm -hmm. And, again, we always say it's not house of positivity or negativity. It's house of reality. Yeah. And this is the reality. The Canucks have played remarkably well. It's one of, if not the best starts in franchise history. And we're just processing it and working through it. And we're saying, who's the MVP? And we can have a debate where you have four legitimate candidates, all of whom have been huge for the team this year. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Do you remember I told that story back in, about back in, maybe it was 2010 or something, and I, and I ran into a friend at the Canucks game, and he was a guy that kind of, kind of followed hockey, but not like hardcore. And he was like, could they do it this year? Like, could they win the cup? And I was like, they're a good team, man. They're a really good team. I'm not there yet with this team. Right. Um, Because they haven't shown it. It's only been 11 or 12 games. Yeah. But I hope by the halfway mark, if someone asks me, like, do you think they can do it? I hope I can be in this position. I'm like, you know what, man? They're a really good team. So they are legit. Someone just texted into the Dunbar Lumber text message in, back, in basket at 650-650. Reminder, if you want to weigh in on the Canucks or you want to get tickets to see SmackDown in January, uh, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Do you guys think Brock Besser should still be traded to create cap space? Now, this question is important because it's not just necessarily about Besser. It's a bigger picture thing, which is do you get distracted in the present and not focus on the long-term and the future. Because mm-hmm. the reality of it is, there's a lot of good teams in the National Hockey League. It's a highly hyper-competitive league, especially at the top. And you still have a team that roster-wise, construction-wise, is not perfect. There are other teams out there probably built to be a little more sustainable over an 82-game season and over a playoff run. So what you have to be able to do here in Vancouver is say, hey... Is there opportunities to make our team better? That should be the question, whether you're first in the NHL standings mm-hmm. or 32nd. Your goal on a daily basis should always be, can we make ourselves better? Is it incrementally? Are we making ourselves 3% better, 4% better? That should always be the driving force for decision makers. But I'd have, I'd have I mean, this is how much things have changed. With Brock Besser, okay, last season... There would have been multiple people, including myself, that would have said, anyone who wants him can have him. Because. And now just 11 games into the season, 
for numerous reasons. Number one, he's scoring goals, but also he's on this really effective line, and you wouldn't want to break up that chemistry. No. That Miller, Besser, and Phil DiGiuseppe have. That's their shutdown line, and now you're like, well, I don't want to trade him. But you would also be nuts not to entertain it. You guys understand this, right? We both understand what chemistry looks like. We don't have it, but that DiGiuseppe and Besser and Miller line certainly does. Um, I also think that there would be a significant impact to the group if you were to just up and deal a guy who means a lot to that team. Those guys like Besser. They appreciate that it's been a hard couple of years for him. Mm. I think they love the fact that he's rebounded in this way, and the fans have that connection so too. To, so to answer the question, do you still think Besser should be traded to create cap space? Not for only that reason. Nope. No, I don't. Nope. Nope. Absolutely You just need not. to frame it differently. No. You but just need to frame it differently. Frame, frame what differently? A potential move. Right. Which is, what's our end game here? If you had a, if you had a potential top four defenseman that you could get for Besser, then you'd have to consider it. You would. You'd have to consider it. Mark Friedman is not the answer. Tyler Myers is not the answer. He's he, this is this is Tyler Myers has one year left on his deal anyway. He's he's not re-signing with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not going to happen. You know, Mark Friedman yesterday, as well as you know the Canucks played at times. There was a play early in in the game when I, I can't remember who got the breakaway on Demko, but Friedman was just like standing at the blue line. He was just totally caught flat-footed. And he doesn't play that much. He plays like 10 minutes a game, nine minutes a game now, because he is what he is. When he was traded to the Canucks, uh, he was in the AHL, and the Canucks were in such dire straits that they had to um, they had to put him in there right away. There was like, well, we can't play Noah Juleson. Yeah. Right? Like Cole McWard isn't ready. He's down in the AHL. There's no one else. We have to play this guy. So going forward, there are still these obvious roster spots. Yeah, that have that they have to be addressed. You can't just have two defensemen, right? Ian Cole again. He's another guy, right? Who's who's great right now. He's on a one year deal. He's mm-hmm. a pending UFA. So hopefully the the Canucks can keep him and keep him for uh, a a reasonable rate. But if you're Ian Cole, you're probably like, mm, you need me. Um, I will say this, and on the subject of all these acquisitions like Friedman and Cole and et cetera, the job that Patrick Alvin did in the offseason, specifically with getting incrementally better at certain positions, has been a real boon to this group. Because I think you can say that no one was jumping out of their shoes with excitement and shock when the Canucks made moves like Bluger, Suter, Cole, Susie. But they understood that those players represented upgrades, maybe not massive, but made the group better, made the defense a little bit better, made the bottom six forward group a little bit better. Getting Lafferty right before the start of the season made them a little bit faster. So those small improvements, right? Mm-hmm. It, they've all worked. Through this first start of the season, they have all worked. And even the Friedman thing has worked because while he isn't a star by any stretch of the imagination, um, it just he doesn't come in and make egregious errors, which is what we saw from some of the guys that they were trying to shoehorn into that spot. So that is another thing where you look at and you're saying, man, have guys tick the boxes with regards to being MVPs, right? Alvin has done a great job in his capacity. Rick Tockett has done a terrific job in his first full season as head coach, right? Not coming aboard midway through and picking up the scraps. And then you go, Petey, Miller, Besser. God, I could keep going. You Hughes, know, Demko, you, you, take your pick. Actually, right? Tyler Myers is playing great right now. What what you just said about um, 
we were asking talking about the MVP, and I think Hughes gets my vote for his on ice play. But one thing I didn't add was he's the new captain. Yep. And how can we not say he's done a terrific job as new captain? Seems to be doing a great job. I'm not in the room, mm-hmm. but well, he seems to be doing a great job. It seems to like I think he's done a great job talking to the media, um, addressing things, um, you know, talking about how the expectations are higher now, how they're going to hold each other accountable. I think he's done a terrific job as captain, and I think he was, in hindsight, in hindsight, the obvious pick, mm-hmm. right? JT Miller is a great emotional leader, but sometimes you need a little more composure. And PD very really isn't comfortable in that sort of role. Yep. I don't think he is. So in hindsight, he was the obvious answer in the way he's playing, the way he's got this like growth mindset of I'm good, but I can be even better. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, think it's terrific. I think the captaincy thing, I mean, when you talk about direct impact. It's actually kind of a nebulous conversation because there's no particular one thing that you point to, but you just know, like, okay, the team is going to put an added emphasis and an added responsibility, but also an added prestige on your name. There, it's, it's something that is not taken lightly. And when that happens, suddenly it's like, well, why is Hughes better? And it's like, well, he just, he just is. He's the captain now. And there's all the different tangents and all the different facets that go into it, but it's a really important thing to bring up because in the year that he is anointed captain, he's also risen to the level of, is this guy the best defenseman in the NHL right now? Mm-hmm. How much does being named the captain have to do with that? And Wish was talking about this sort of coronation that's going on right now, and it all goes hand in hand. The 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 organization pushes him to the forefront. You're the face of this thing now. And now they go out and have this great start to the season. And suddenly Hughes isn't just the guy in the Norris conversation. Mm -hmm. He's a guy where you're asking, is he going to win the award? All of it plays into one another. And it's been a great thing to see unfold. I just hope it keeps going. Um, Axel Schuster is going to join us in just a few minutes. But um, for those of you wondering what's coming up for the Canucks, well, uh, they're headed east on a road trip. Uh, through three Canadian cities. The first is Ottawa. The second is Toronto. That game's on Saturday. Uh, And then Sunday, they play in Montreal. And I am getting greedy because I've already seen the Canucks damage the Oilers. (laughs) I don't know about fully destroy the Oilers, Mm. but what if they go into Ottawa where the fans are chanting for DJ Smith to be fired? What if they finish off DJ Smith in Ottawa and then go into Toronto and light up the Leafs? Because I don't know if anyone watched the Leafs lightning game yesterday. It was a very entertaining game. It was a wild game. The Leafs ended up winning 6-5 in overtime, but they were down 4-1 and they've got issues too. They're not quite at Oilers level in terms of panic, but their defense has major problems and I guess at the very least, they've got that young goalie, jo- Joseph Wohl. They may have they found could, their Demko. They, yeah. they, they may have found their goalie, right? But it's not Samsonov. He started yesterday, and he was dreadful. But defensively, they've got issues. Like Klingberg, I don't know if you can play him anymore the way he is defensively. I suppose he's okay offensively, but that team has issues. And the way the Canucks are firing right now, the amount of goals that they're scoring, 
If I was the Leafs, I would not want to play the Canucks right now because they have defensive issues. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.